Before we get started, I just wanted to say that I was thankful for the prayer. Uh, I appreciate uh, appreciate that very much. Uh, I uh, enjoyed being able to get to talk to uh, uh, Brother Scotty Shepherd uh, today, and I was, I was thankful for that opportunity. And he said, you know, hey, if you want to remember my name, then uh, just think of uh, uh, two dogs, you know. Uh, which is all well and good, except for I almost called him Terrier Schnauzer. Um, but, you know, it, it works. You know, you, you look on the news these days, and there's a lot of things that are going on, a lot of bleak things, things that, that are just terrible. And, man, you know, it, it, it can be... Uh, a little distressing, you know, that that there are people out there who would just kill people just just to kill people. Um, I know that they have in, in in their religion. This is part of it. I realize that, uh, but the taking of someone's life uh, just to take it so lightly is just beyond me. And so, you know, you look at the news. And and the world has to sicken you. And you know our society really does. Even in America, you know we 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 may not uh, be telling each other religiously to to kill others, but you know in our society it, it just really needs to change. You know we're not we're not living right as a whole, just in general. And so you know I I think about this and I think about people need to change and you know over the past few years I've I've come up with a list of six people that if uh, you know these six people if if they were just gone you know and 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 they and I'll let me just be frank I mean if these six people went to hell uh, this would be a better place and now I know what you're thinking you're sitting there going but Matt you don't want anybody to go to hell. We can't do that. Now, I know what you're saying. Now, see, I don't want anybody to be eternally lost, but I'm just thinking, if these six people just went for one minute just to see what it was like, how that would change their lives. And I want to talk about that. What is hell like? What is hell like? In Matthew 25, verse 30, it is mentioned as a place of outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse 9 is a punishment of everlasting destruction. In Mark 9 and verse 44, it is where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Now, I'm going to name off these people, and you can go with me. I'm going to start with myself. Preachers. Preachers, if preachers could go to hell for just one minute, what would change? I guarantee you, I guarantee you they would come back and they would they would preach with power. They would they would look at Romans one and verse sixteen, you know, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. They would teach that, and they would be as powerful as the word is. They would teach that word and let that be the power of God to the people. 
they would teach with passion. You know, they, yeah, I, I know. Uh, maybe maybe this is not as as prevalent among members of the church as it is among preachers. But you know, I I know that there are preachers out there that that they don't do a whole lot. That they don't go and and to the office and study. And then they, they don't go out and visit with people. And they don't go out and try to bring in the lost. They don't do those things. I know that there are people that do that. I've met them. But I guarantee you, if those people could just spend one minute, one minute in a place like hell, they would understand how their work ethic needs to be. And they would teach with absolute passion. You know what they would also do? They would evangelize with persistence. In Matthew 16 and verse 26, it says, For what is a man profited if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? No, one soul is worth the whole world. And if the soul is that important, then every preacher should want to evangelize and be persistent in it. You know, one of the things that you think about is, when do I stop? When do I stop teaching people? You never stop. You should never stop trying to teach people. As long as people are in your presence, you are a Christian, you should be teaching that's the first group. Now, second. You know, uh, elders. Man. Think about that. Elders. If the elders in the church worldwide could just spend one minute in hell, what would happen? What would happen when they got back? I guarantee you that they would Lead the flock. First Peter 5, verses 2 and 3 says, Tend the flock of God, which is among you, exercising the oversight, not of constraint, but willingly, according to the will of God, nor yet for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as lording it over the charge allotted to you, but making yourselves in samples to the flock. We would have elders that would actively lead the flock, and I'm, I'm not talking specifically about this congregation. I'm talking to everybody, because there are elderships out there that they're just elders to make business decisions. They don't do anything else other than that. But their job is to lead the flock. Uh, one elder was complaining about an, another elder that. He was working with, and he said, you know, all he wants to do are deacons' jobs. He just wants to be a servant, which is fine to be a servant. But he wouldn't take part in stepping up and leading the flock and letting other people do those other jobs. You know, one thing that's very difficult, but elders, you know, if they... They could see the devastation of hell firsthand. 
And I guarantee you that when it came, when they came back and it came time that there was someone in the congregation that was being unruly, oh, they'd handle it. They would definitely handle it. Because, see, in 1 Corinthians 5, people who are doing things like that, they uh, have to be withdrawn from. What does that mean? Does that mean that, you know, like you see in these movies where, where people are shunning people and they just completely don't talk to them. That's not what we're talking about in Scripture. That's not what Scriptures teach. What Scriptures teach is that, Matthew 18, you go to your brother or sister and you talk to them, you try to get them to repent. If they wish not to repent, that's when you have to take things a step further. That's when you go over and you see 1 Corinthians 5. You've got to make things right for the church. Because what happens? What happens? Yeah, I read a book one time about a shepherd. And he was writing specifically on the 23rd Psalm. And if you ever get a chance to, to read it, you, you need to do it. But it's a, a, just a shepherd's outlook on the 23rd Psalm. And, and he talks about this very principle. And he says, you know, that there are sheep that... They are always, you can go and take them to the greenest pastures. And there are some sheep that will stick their head through the fence. They're standing in top of all this green pasture. They'll stick their head through the fence and eat that disgusting, dying brown stuff on the other side. They're just stubborn. And those same sheep will, when they find the opportunity... They will try to escape. And you know what happens when they escape? Others follow. Brethren, we are the flock. And if the shepherds don't take care of the flock, many can be led astray. So it's very important. And the elders having this experience, would come back knowing what they need to do to lead the flock of God. Not only would they want sound preaching, but they would want to make sure that everybody is living right. So we have preachers and we have elders. There are six of them, so what's next? Deacons. You know, the Greek word is it's just a transliteration here. Greek word is diakonos, which really just means servant. Um, being a servant. You know, if, if a deacon were to spend one, just, just one minute in hell, how do you think you would come back? I guarantee that he would want to serve more. He would do all he could in service. You know what? I think that he would take the example of Stephen even. And so he would take that, that example and he would go on and he would, he would teach people about the word of God when he was through serving. He would take every opportunity. Some congregations out there, this may sound foreign to you, I hope it does. But there are some congregations out there that when it comes to getting deacons, they, they have several things in mind. But one thing that I've heard is, well, it's not along, going along with Scripture. 
And that is simply this. They said, hey, you know what? We really like this guy. He's a good guy. Let's make him a deacon because, you know, he's really not here all that often. And we want him here. And maybe if we let him become a deacon, he'll be more involved. What do you think about that, brethren? Oh, no. no. That's not a part. A part of it is he's supposed to already be doing these things. He's supposed to be a servant already. That's how you know that he can fulfill that position. And so if we have to get somebody to come in and ask them to be a deacon just so that they'll start serving, they're not ready to be one. Because deacons are servants. They'll take that example like we said in Acts chapter 6 and verse 8. Stephen, after he was through serving tables, he'd go and he would teach the gospel of Christ. And we know that that is the example really for all of us because... You know, Luke 19.10, Jesus, his sole purpose in coming to this earth was to seek and save the lost. And so that's what they would want to do. Number four, teachers. What about teachers? You know, teachers, uh, that, that, teachers of Bible class hold a very significant role, if you ask me. Yeah, you think about these young children coming up. Now, uh, if we were to preach a sermon on dispensational premillennialism, do you think a seven-year-old is going to latch onto that and remember that for the rest of their life? No. No, we, we, they're not going to understand that. By the way, we're, we're not teaching for it. We're teaching against it. But you know what? If, if, if somebody were to, to do that... These children are not going to understand that. But you know what they do understand? They understand exactly those things that are taught to them on their level from those Bible classrooms. Teachers, you have a very important job. Now, specifically, when I'm thinking about teachers, I think about uh, women because you know, a lot of times in the church, oh, the women are teaching the younger younger classes. And, and sometimes we have this idea in the church that, you know, of course there's, there's roles for women and there's roles for men. And some people will say, well, well those roles for men, they're, they're so much more desirable. Are you kidding me? Ladies of you who are teaching Bible class... I thank you. I've got four little rugrats growing up. And they're in your classes. And while I teach them at home, and that's where I'm I'm making sure that, you know, I'm teaching them, my wife is teaching them, and they're making we're making sure they're getting Bible at home. But they get to come here and they get to see other people teaching and saying the same things. If you don't think that goes a long way, then you are sadly mistaken. Your roles in teaching, you are shaping the future of the church. You know, uh, teachers, I guarantee you, if they spent just one minute 
just one minute in hell, I guarantee you they would teach the truth. They would teach the truth with all their hearts. In James 3 and verse 1, you know, we see that teachers will receive a stricter judgment. Now, that's a part of it. In 2 Peter 1, 3, uh, it says, According to his divine will hath given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You know, teachers are going to teach that what's right. And, and a part of that is teaching people how to live. We've got to know how to live. There are people, uh, are teachers, and they spend a majority of their time teaching outside of the Scriptures. I remember one, one Bible class teacher saying, well, you know, I, I don't know what to teach. You've got a pretty big book there. There's a lot of stuff in there. You've just got to get in and study it. And I guarantee you that if you do that, you're going to find a lot more to teach. Uh, the problem with preaching, uh, as far as that's concerned, is it's not having limited material. It's having too much. You have to start choosing what you're going to preach. Brethren, teachers are going to teach the truth. But you know what they're going to do? Before they even do that, is they're going to study for themselves. I know that you probably have seen this just as well as I have, but there are people out there that they just don't put the time in. They don't put the time in to teaching Bible class. And they... they I've, I've heard of people printing their lessons off the internet. I've heard of preachers doing that. Just printing their lesson off the internet. Not putting anything into it. Not studying, not making sure it's true, by the way. We need to put more effort into the things that we do. In 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, you know, uh, of, of course we look at the King James Version and it says, you know, study to show thyself approved unto God, working with needeth, not be ashamed, handling right the word of truth. But the American Standard says this. It translates as actually, you know, meticulously accurate here. It's, it's spot on. The word study is not there. The word diligent is there. It says, be diligent to show yourself approved unto God. Now, yes, a part of that means to study. But being diligent is more than just studying. Being diligent is putting every fiber of your being into doing something. And if you're putting every fiber of your being into uh, making sure that you're right before God, I guarantee you study is going to be a part of that. But you're going to make sure that you're living right. You're going to not limit it to study. But you're going to apply it to your life. Number five. You know, you've got these lists of people, and we've gone through and we've said preachers and elders and deacons and teachers. And and, and I hate to I hate to put it this way, because I, I don't I don't like these categories necessarily. But you know, then you have just kind of 
members. Yeah, members of the congregation, they're not holding to a specific role, but they're Christians. And so this is, this is the, the part of the body of Christ that we have not yet mentioned here. And, and I, I'm saying this because I, I don't want to devalue that, the role of everybody, because everybody's got a role, everybody's got a purpose. But the idea here is, what, what, if, what if everybody else, part of the church, what if everybody else went to hell for just one minute? How would the church be? Well, I can guarantee you that they'd want to do more, want to be active, want to make sure that they were doing all they could when it came to supporting the work. You know, having a gospel, what do you need me to do? Invite people? I'll invite the whole world here. You know, I'm going to do whatever I can. You know, whatever. We're having, a, we're having a day, a work day. I'm there. I'm going to help out. Do whatever I can because, you know, I, I just want to do more. You know what? A person like that would want to evangelize. You know, want to teach. We often look at the Great Commission, and specifically I'll look at Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And, of course, you see in verse 18, Christ has all authority. Verse 19 says, you know, to go and to teach and to baptize, you know, and so we, we, we do that. But then a lot of times we forget to mention verse 20. What does verse 20 say? Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. What did he just command? He just commanded them to evangelize. He told them to go out and reach those that were lost. And so, you know, sometimes I, I remember thinking, uh, whenever I first figured that out, I, it was one of those things I stumbled upon for myself, and, and I was studying, and I, I went, wait a second. This, this is a command. This is something that I have to do. I have to do this in order to go to heaven. That, can I be more explicit than that? You know, that we have to reach the lost. We have to evangelize if we're going to go to heaven. Everybody. Well, you know, Matt, I'm just not, I'm not one of those guys. I can't do that. Well, you need to learn to. Because I didn't read any exceptions. We need to reach the lost. Now, if you can be creative on how you're going to do that, then, then that's fine. You know, there's one man who wrote a book here recently. And he's brought a lot of people to Christ just from passing out that book. Maybe you do something like that, but you've got to do something. You've got to get out there and spread the good news of Christ. You know... As people that have spent just a minute in hell, they're going to they're gonna know that. And they're going to be motivated to do just that. You know what? I, I think also is that people, that, a part of the body of Christ, if they just spent one minute in hell, that, that they'd want to give more. And I'm not just talking about finances. That, I think that would fall in there too. But you know what they said about the Corinthian brethren, right? 
What did they do? They first gave of themselves. And I believe that people, having seen that atrocity, that they would give of themselves. And last, but certainly not least, the sixth group of people, if they could just spend one minute in hell, would be the lost. The lost. You know what? I guarantee you that if they did that, they would want to be saved. They would know the terror that awaited them if they were not saved. And so they would want to become a Christian. They want to obey the gospel of Christ. And that is <clears throat> to hear the word of God, Romans ten seventeen, and uh, to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, John 3 and verse 16, uh, and to repent of your sins, Luke 13 and verse 3, and to confess Jesus Christ before men, Matthew 10, 32 and 33, and, and to be baptized in Christ, 1 Peter three twenty one, and to live faithfully, Revelation 2 and verse 10. Want to do those things. But you know what? I think there's something else that those people would want to, to do. And that is, I believe that they would want to be sanctified. They'd want to be set apart for a holy purpose. They would want to be righteous, and they would want to follow God. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11, through 11, it says, Or know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with men, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you, you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. You know, I, I love this passage. Because it, it, you know, it mentions all these different sins. And then there's the good part. It says, you know what? Such were some of you. That's past tense, brethren. You used to be this, but no, nope, not anymore. No, nope, because now you have been washed and you have been sanctified. And now you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That used to be you. But it's not anymore. You know, if these type of people could experience hell for just one moment, anybody came along trying to tell them otherwise, oh, they'd say, no way. No way. I'm not going to be a part of the world. I'm going to follow God. You know what? It's always interesting to me, and, uh, and devastatingly so, that you see Christians, and they'll talk about you know wanting to be sanctified, and yet they'll just go and live like the world. And that doesn't make any sense, brethren. None whatsoever. 
And so, yes, if I could, just for one minute, I think it would turn out to be a blessing if these six type of people, if they could just experience hell for just one minute. But you know what? We can look at the Word of God. And if we will apply that knowledge, gain wisdom from it, we would never have to visit such a place. We could look at the Word of God and see, you know, it it does not look pretty. It is that place of outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. It is everlasting destruction. It is the fire that is not quenched. It is all those things. And since it is all those things, we need to make sure that we're right with the Lord. Are you right with the Lord tonight? I hope you are. But if you aren't, make things right tonight. If you have not yet become a child of God, we'd love for you to do that tonight. And if you just need some prayers, we'll be glad to pray for you and pray with you. If there's anybody that needs to respond to the invitation, please come as we stand and as we sing. The gentle voice of Jesus falleth tenderly upon your ear. Sweet his cry of love and pity calleth. Turn and listen, stay and hear. Ye that labor and are heavy laden lean upon your dear Lord's breast. Ye that labor and are heavy laden, come and I will give you rest. Take his yoke, for he is meek and lowly. Bear